0: This week's beer of the week is sierra nevada we're drinking a pale ale they're located in chico california and that kind of fits because we're doing the nfc west this week
1: yeah there's a few teams out in california that play in the nfc west this is episode six of perfect takes i'm your host stephen Patton, joined by my co-host jacob Acquire. today we'll be diving into the nfc west talking about the different teams in the division. The first one is considered probably one of the worst in the league.
0: I agree. The uh, The Arizona Cardinals, they should be one of the worst teams in the league this year. And it all kind of starts with the quarterback position. We know Kyler is coming off of his injury, uh, usually takes about eight to nine months, and he should be back if everything's going well, somewhere between weeks two and week six. So first quarter of the season.
1: Yeah, and I don't think there's any point in rushing him back. You want to make sure the guy that you just paid last offseason is healthy when he returns. I think a plus uh, with the new coaching regime that came in this offseason, they brought in offensive coordinator Drew Pet- Petizing. He worked with Kevin Stavansky over the past nine season. He was the Browns quarterback coach last year and helped get the most out of backup Jacoby Brissett. So you're hoping the same is true with Colt McCoy and those first couple of weeks why Kyler Murray is recovering. And then the offensive line, Paris Johnson, they drafted in the first round. You pair him with DJ Humphreys and Will Hernandez. And Froholt, a backup for the Browns, uh, showed some promise in their opening preseason game. But the interior O-line moving forward could definitely use some work.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm not... As high on the Cardinals O-line as you are, uh, I think it might take some time for a rookie tackle like Paris Johnson, who I was a big fan of at Ohio State. It might take some time for him to adjust to the speed of the game. You know, tackles usually come along year two, year three, maybe. Uh, But I'm just not as high on them as you are. I think the main concern about the offense, other than if Kyler's back and healthy, is that uh, the wide receiver room. Uh, They lost DeAndre Hopkins, who... Despite being kind of older on that uh, third contract, second extension, he missed six games last year, but he was still productive in the games he did play. I think that he was him-
1: projected to have like fourteen hundred yards or something. It was it was definitely like wide receiver one numbers had he played oh, the whole year.
0: Absolutely, and I I don't know if he's going to get that much uh, this year in Tennessee, but he'll still put up numbers and he'll still have an impact. But his loss leaves that room with guys like uh, Rondale Moore, uh, Hollywood Brown and I guess Zach Pascal would be their third receiver right now. Uh, It's not the greatest group in the world. They did add Michael Wilson in the draft out of Stanford, and he was one of the few guys in the draft that could turn out to be a true kind of X receiver, kind of boundary guy, if everything turns out well. But he also had a lot of medical issues during the draft. Uh, So just overall, oh, and I did want to note that uh, Zach Ertz was cleared yesterday off the pup. So he should be playing week one. So that's a big help. They get him, they'll have uh, James Connor back. But overall, I just think uh, the skill group is kind of mid at best. And pairing that with a backup quarterback for the first few weeks of of a pretty daunting schedule is just not a recipe for success on offense to me.
1: Yeah, they don't have a true running back to lean on during that time. I do like Trey McBride behind Zach Ertz could see a lot more action this year based on how they want to design the offense. I like how the wide receiver room is currently constructed. I feel like they're a piece or two away that you bring in Hollywood Brown, who has the ability to take really the top off the defense. Why guys like Rondale Moore and Greg Dorch are solid slot wide receivers that this team has on rookie deals. So I think that's that's a great plus, especially with like a short passing game. Add in the fact that Michael Wilson has the potential to be a good X receiver at the NFL level. I mean, the guy had a relative athletic score of 9.55, measures in with great size and explosiveness. And so there are some nice pieces to work with on offense. I just think it's far from being a complete unit.
0: Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Uh, Far from or pretty far from a complete unit, in my opinion. Uh, I'm not nearly as high on that side of the ball as you are it doesn't sound like you're super high on him. I'm just uh, pretty low on him. Uh, And it's kind of the same on defense for me. Uh, I do like the defense a little bit better. And the addition of Jonathan Gannon as a defensive coach should give them a boost. But uh, I just think the defense is also kind of rough on paper. I mean, the only real difference maker, I think, is Buddha Baker, uh, the star safety. But he was kind of disgruntled over the past season. Uh, it's just kind of him and uh, Jalen Thompson in the back end there, along with some first round picks that really haven't lived up to uh, their hype. You know?
1: Yeah, no, you're you're right about there being a lack of talent on the defensive side of the ball. And Buda Baker currently really isn't happy with his contract situation. He wants a big payday, especially when he sees guys like Jamal Adams and uh, other guys on the West Coast uh, kind of get those paydays. And so he's he's wanting to be compensated as such. I do like some of the younger guys they have in Isaiah Simmons. They finally put Zayvon Collins as kind of an edge rusher in the preseason games. And then they they drafted a guy that I thought would have been a great fit in Carolina, and you liked coming out of the draft, and B.J. Ojolari. So it's not, it's not a group by any means that is going to win any awards but it's something where you have a nucleus that can build upon and I'm really interested in Nick Rawls, the the guy that's the new defensive coordinator he was the linebackers coach for the Eagles the past two years and his backgrounds with Mike Zimmer and when he was able to call plays in that preseason game which Jonathan Gannon is kind of relinquishing those roles to Rollis he's going to call a lot more blitzes he's going to be bringing a lot more pressure. And that's really cool to see from an Eagles team that really didn't do that. So if they're able to generate maybe turnover, sacks with some of those uh, blitzes or uh, bringing Zayvon Collins off the outside, B.J. Ojalari, you might give your offense a shot or two in a few games this year. And I think that's really what you want to see with the first year in the coaching staff.
0: I think that's fair. I, I will say in that uh, preseason game, Zayvon Collins did look pretty good uh, as an edge rusher. And if they can move him maybe to that outside linebacker spot, maybe move Isaiah Simmons to kind of the star role, maybe a hybrid safety, kind of like how he played at Clemson, if they can move the players where they're supposed to go, I think the defense does have a shot. I, you know, we saw Hassan he was an outside linebacker out of Temple, and they forced him to play inside just – he was there for, what, three, four years?
1: It was, it was so boneheaded what they did yeah. because as soon as he went to edge in Carolina and then now in Philadelphia, I mean, the dude's torn it up and looked like like a top-ten pass rusher.
0: Absolutely, and if they can use Collins and Simmons in similar ways, maybe finding their true role in the NFL, I could see them doing some damage, especially with uh, with Gannon giving him a boost. But what, uh, The,
1: the yeah. biggest thing is, is, like you said, Buda Baker, who else is back there? Byron Murphy leaves in free agency like – from the back end standpoint, like the front seven has some pieces to work with. Maybe maybe you can generate pressure, but you aren't stopping anybody in the passing game.
0: Yeah, I think uh, Marco Wilson, uh, he was like a fourth or fifth uh, round pick out of Florida is one of their starting corners. But uh, yeah, I agree with you. The uh, The back end does need some help outside of Buda Baker. And yeah, I mean, this, team, this team's just rough on paper. I don't think a lot of people expect them to be pretty good. And the main point is that we kind of expect them to be bad. I mean, no huge additions, but the bright side is that they seem to be looking toward the future. You know, they made that trade in the draft. They had the third overall pick. They trade back. They, they eventually trade back up to get Paris Johnson, but they acquired the Texans first round pick next year, which, uh, which should be pretty high. We'll talk about that a bit more next week, but having two top picks in the draft next year, which is supposed to be a QB heavy draft can be a really good thing. You know, they could, they could take one of the QBs. They could, if they're set on Kyler, they could get a King's ransom for one of those high picks, maybe both of those high picks. You never know. So you can can add a Marvin
1: Harrison jr. To that wide receiving group uh, and all of a sudden now it looks phenomenal because you have Kyler throwing to whoever and you can't cover any of them.
0: Absolutely. I think, uh, Monty Austin for in his first year with the Cardinals has done a a very good job setting them up for the future. It's just I'm not very high on the present of the team.
1: No, and I don't think you should be. This should be viewed as like what the Lions and the Seahawks did last year in trading kind of star quarterbacks, getting draft capital for them, and then using that draft capital kind of rebuild your team. So that's what they did. They had a high draft pick. They were able to turn that into future picks, and they're going to reap the benefits of that next year, not this year.
0: Absolutely. Uh, And then (laughs) this next team is somebody that also might be looking toward the future in the Los Angeles Rams?
1: I'm trying to find the silver lining for this team, and it might be the fact that they still have the rights to their first-round pick in next year's draft. The roster is devoid of a lot of talent from top to bottom, and this is not the same squad that we saw even last year, let alone the Super Bowl-winning team two years ago.
0: You're telling me they haven't traded this uh, pick away yet? They still have it?
1: I I believe so on record, right? The, the twenty twenty four, Yeah. First. Yeah.
0: I'm just saying less need likes to trade those picks, you know, Hey, they (laughs) they tried to trade it for uh, Brian Burns. If we're to believe the report that they offered, what was it? Two firsts for Burns. So, Hey, they, uh, there's a world out there where they don't have this pick and Brian Burns is on that defensive line, but it's not this world. I mean, like you said, the Rams are just empty, you know, on offense outside of Cooper cup, who, even though he got hurt last year, was still really good before then. There's just no real difference makers. Nobody really moves me. I mean, they have Cam Akers supposed to be starting as the running back. Last year, we didn't even know if Cam Akers was going to stay on the team for the whole season. He ended up getting He was on the trade block. Yeah, Yeah. he was on the trade block. Then they end up bringing him back to start, and uh, I don't think they traded Daryl Henderson. I think they waived him. But that that whole situation is just odd. Uh, Tyler Higby is... Okay, I guess. And then, outside a cup on for the receivers, they have Van Jefferson. They drafted a guy like Puka Nakua, and then uh, Iskaronski is still there? The, uh, he like is. the gadget guy, yeah.
1: He's he's um. So I don't know how many people have listened to the play callers series, but Sean McVay and some of the outside zone run schemes use Skaronic as like his fullback, and Skaronek, he's he's, a, yeah. he's he's a really good like blocking wide receiver. He's just not going to be very impactful in the passing game.
0: Exactly. They, my point is they just don't have many world beaters outside of Cooper Cup. And he, granted, he had an excellent season two years ago when they won the Super Bowl. He was still pretty good last year, but he's getting up there in age and his contract's pretty big. So he's got a, he, he's going to have to have a big role this year if they want to be any form of successful on offense.
1: Absolutely. But I think this kind of gets to my point is I, I don't know if – We know if Stafford's body can hold up, especially this late into his career. And the the Rams coaching staff assured us going into last season that his elbow injury wasn't anything to worry about. And as the season progressed, it became apparent that wasn't the case. And the crazy part, the elbow injury isn't what ended his season last year. It was a spinal contusion. Just it seems to be what happened towards the end of Tony Romo's career from an overall health, health standpoint where it's just you have a guy that's in his mid thirties and he's behind a okay offensive line. He takes a couple hits. This guy could be out early and you're you have Stetson Bennett as your backup.
0: Yeah, Stetson Bennett, the new vet in the QB room. But God, he's man, he's so old. But uh like Stafford, this isn't this isn't like a recent thing about him being injured. He's been banged up his whole career. And if all these things kind of catch up to him and, like you said, kind of compound into his late or mid to late 30s, we could be seeing uh, maybe the end of Stafford sooner rather than later. Uh, and then, like you said, the offensive line—it's been an issue for a few years now since uh, Andrew Whitworth retired. Now they did add an offensive lineman early in quotation marks in the draft. The last few se- last few seasons, they added Steve Avila last year, and then in the second round. And then I believe uh, two years ago, their first pick was in the at the end of the third round, and they also added an O lineman. So at least they're addressing it with their early again quote picks, but. Uh, Yeah, it's just – it still, I think, needs a lot of work if Stafford or Stetson Bennett needs to stay upright.
1: I couldn't agree more on both of the Rams' recent Super Bowl runs in 2018 and then 2021. They had great offensive lines that could protect the quarterback that opened up Sean McVay's offense. And I don't think their starting O-line is a bad group this year, but they're extremely thin, and a few injuries could have this group tail spinning again like they were last year. I, I do like Van Jefferson, and Rams coaches are raving about rookie Puka Nakua. But if those two are the big weapons outside of Cooper Cup, it's hard to see this team moving the ball effectively throughout the year.
0: I agree. I think we are one Cooper Cup injury away from the Rams offense being kind of horrible to watch again. It's exactly what happened at the end of last year. Except, let me throw the asterisks on it,
1: oh, except
0: boy. in that uh, Christmas game, where Baker Mayfield was the quarterback, and he just they just decimated the uh, Broncos defense. That, that was, was the only exception. Yeah. And he didn't he have like a comeback drive versus the Raiders or something? Yeah, but the, the Raiders, the Raiders blew. blew every. Yeah, they blew every lead last year. Yeah, but uh, yeah, point point notwithstanding, companies to stay healthy if the offense is just watchable. I'll say. And the defense is kind of in a similar state. They got kind of one guy holding it down, while the rest of the the defense is just kind of just kind of there. It's
1: it's an eleven man unit, and we're expecting Aaron Donald, who has won Defensive Player of the Year award three times. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he's he's absolutely phenomenal. That's not the question. the The question is, can Rams fans even name a defensive lineman outside of Aaron Donald like yeah you drafted Byron Young but outside of that can you you name anybody else
0: I couldn't even tell you which Byron Young they drafted (laughs) remember there were two of them I think (laughs) was the Tennessee one yeah I don't think they got the Alabama one but yeah like you said over the past few years the Rams defensive line I think has been pretty good pretty deep and it's it's a good roster of veteran players they had guys like Leonard Floyd uh, Dante Fowler Jr. They had Von Miller for that Super Bowl run. They had and Sue for the uh, the 2018 Super Bowl run, if I yep. remember correctly. And
1: that, um, that unlocked AD. He he hit yeah. 20
0: sacks because Sue was able to take up bodies. Absolutely. AD went nuclear that year. They had, last year, they had Greg Gaines. They've had Sebastian Joseph Day. I believe they've also had Sean Robinson, who I I know I'm being an Alabama fan here, but he's an underrated run defender uh, for interior defensive linemen.
1: And now all of those guys with
0: the Giants. Oh, absolutely! I think he's going to fit super well up there with uh, Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. We might even see. uh, We might see those guys this uh, Friday when they come to play us. Yeah. Ooh, even the weather doesn't like the Rams D line. I don't know if you guys (laughs) heard that, but there's a huge uh, thunderclap. But uh, all those guys are gone now, and AD is the only true vet left on that defensive line and on the defense as a whole.
1: This roster isn't remotely close to the team that won the Super Bowl two years ago. They no longer have starters. Von Miller, Jalen Ramsey, Odell Beckham, Andrew Whitworth, Aishon Robinson, Greg Gaines, Austin Corbett, Leonard Floyd, David Edwards, or Taylor Rapp. If you lost count, that was 10 out of the 22 starters on that championship team. Four of their starters in the secondary last year alone are all gone. Ramsey was traded to the Dolphins, Rapp is a Bill, Scott is a Bangle, and Long is a Raider. They're returning Jordan Fuller and signed former Ram John Johnson as both are projected to start at safety. So that leaves Akello Witherspoon and Darian Kendrick as their starting quarterbacks. And I don't think anybody listening to this podcast are very familiar with these guys, and they don't necessarily inspire a lot of confidence.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. It's uh, I think this just kind of goes to show you how real super bowl windows or competitive windows or whatever you want to call it are smaller than you think i mean you said 10 out of 22 starters from the super bowl team are gone it's just it's crazy to think about because you you think about aaron donald in your mind you think about cooper cup and uh matthew stafford in your mind when they had the that crazy last drive they they were the heroes yeah they, they were the heroes right but in reality, the rest of the team that helped get them there, that helped prop them up, even in the Super Bowl, all the starters are gone. Not all of them, but a lot of them are gone. And uh, it, it's just kind of crazy to see the amount of roster churn and turnover in the NFL as a whole. Uh, and th- that's just exceptionally true with the Rams. And I think the, uh, the main point with the Rams is can all these young players, uh, especially on their defense, can all these guys step up? to fill the void of these vets that they they've relied on for so long the kind of unheralded vets that aren't there anymore because of uh getting rid of draft picks or overpaying the stars that are on their team
1: yeah les sneed and sean McVay finally win a super bowl and their immediate response was to do exactly like you said extend the stars that helped them get there and when you you hand out massive contracts like that you have to ask, one of the very first questions is, are you paying for past production? And they paid aging stars with diminishing returns with Stafford Cup and Donald. And the biggest question I think Jason Fitzgerald said after that Super Bowl is if you don't win that game, do those players get those extensions? And absolutely not. That's the point. Now was it worth it? Absolutely. You win the Super Bowl, you pay your guys, you have the parades, you have the banners for the rest of eternity. But now you have to go through the time of rebuilding because you mortgaged your future to get that championship. So with that, I just don't see a lot of hope this year. And so looking towards the future, do you think that they're going to play badly enough to land them the quarterback of the future?
0: Yeah, that's my question too, is that there? are they bad enough for a top two or three QB in the draft? I don't know, as we get to our division predictions later, I I don't even think they're the worst team in the division currently, so I'm not I'm not quite sure that they can get the Williams or May, but I mean maybe they can get the third or fourth guy. It's just it's hard to it's gonna be hard to beat out the Cardinals or a team like the Bucks or teams like that. But yeah, that's that's the point with the Rams. They're like the Cardinals, but they aren't as set up for the future. I think that's yeah. kind of the the big takeaway. And they still have the the stars, right? They still have their two guys, or three, depending on how you feel about Stafford. It's just, I don't know how far they could carry him moving forward.
1: Absolutely. And going to another team in the division that has a bunch of quarterback question marks, and for different reasons, are the San Francisco 49ers. And you got to feel for a guy like Trey Lance, who third overall pick, has had injuries kind of hamper his career, both at the college level, and at the professional level, and you just wonder if he's going to get a fair shot this year.
0: Yeah, you absolutely have to feel for him uh, due to whatever circumstance, be it COVID or they redshirted him his rookie year, and then last year he plays through one game, which was the the absolute uh, monsoon versus Chicago, which I believe Chicago won that game right in they week do. one, week and one. then. Lan- Lance gets hurt. uh, I believe in the next game he's out for the rest of the year. Has a the Mister Irrelevant seventh round pick come in and win the starting job? Seemingly, it's just that was after Jimmy G
1: because Jimmy G came in.
0: He was the backup. Uh, He got hurt, and then Purdy. You're right. right. Yeah, but it it it, uh it boils down to Purdy is now seemingly the starter, and yeah, you just gotta feel bad for Trey Lance. But in regards to that quarterback room. They do have a bunch of, uh, I don't want to say injury-prone guys in there, but it's people who have had significant injuries in their in their NFL careers. And I think the biggest question to me uh, and for this offense as a whole is who's going to be that QB for the majority of the year. Like Purdy's the starter now. I think he's cleared, but we saw Purdy get battered at the end of last year. We see Trey Lance. He hasn't had uh, – real meaningful football snaps in three to four years now and then sam Darnold's the new guy in there who we know all too well as panthers fans but he's a guy that also has dealt with uh, some injuries so i think every year of his career he hasn't played a full 16. so he he might be a guy that gets injured as well that's the main question though to me is who is the qb for the majority of the year
1: yeah And that's that's going to dictate what this offense looks like, how it may evolve. And it's definitely going to depend on your star players that you're playing. Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, those guys staying healthy. And something that I feel like I was a little little off on this offseason was I prematurely jumped the gun thinking that Brandon Ayuk would try to leverage a new extension like Debo did last offseason and the 49ers not having the room would end up having to trade him for future picks. However, he's playing on his fifth year option this year and he wasn't the all pro or pro bowler that Debo was last season before his extension. So as a result, I didn't have the leverage to get the top of the line deal. And it's, it's one of those things that if you, you return those five, you you have the George Kittle, you have the Debo Samuel, you have Iuk you have Kyle use and you have some of those guys that you can just spread everybody out and win those one-on-one matchups with. And I think that's what Kyle Shanahan is going to rely on, again, trying to run it back and get to the Super Bowl this year.
0: Absolutely. That offense still has a ton of good weapons. You have your your McCaffrey. I can't believe you forgot McCaffrey. The, uh, the <laughs> That is true. Probably, what would you say, the third best running back in Panthers history or something?
1: I, he's uh, up there. Yeah. I'd he's top up there. Three he's definitely up
0: there, yeah. But he's there, he, and he stayed healthy, uh, I think, all of last season when he was on the Niners, which was huge. He helped to lead that offense. I, I believe they were undefeated after he started playing until they lost in the NFC Championship. So him, yeah. uh, George Kittle, whose blocking versatility, helped a ton when Trent Williams was out. Uh, Debo, IU, they still have a lot of good weapons on that offense. And as a result, they've had to pay people like well. Like McCaffrey's in his last year of the deal, but Debo got paid. Uh, Kittle, he might be due for an extension soon. Ayuk might be the uh, the odd guy out. Uh, following his, I assume they're going to pick up his fifth year option. No, there, he's playing
1: up, on his he's playing on his fifth year this year. Oh, he's year. playing. He is on, a okay. free agent next off season, and that's why I thought there'd be a little bit more leverage. Ah. But he doesn't have a Pro Bowl nod. He doesn't have an All Pro nod. He doesn't have that working for him.
0: And he hasn't been extended yet either is interesting because he's definitely a top, I would say, at worst, like top 40 receiver. He's yeah. he's, he's really good. I think uh, a lot of t- the Panthers, one of them, I think could use him. But, uh, yeah, they still have a ton of good weapons on that offense. And it's going to be interesting to see if Shanahan keeps the Shanahan offense, which works. It worked with Jimmy G. I think Purdy's pretty similar to Jimmy G or if he if Lance comes in if he can finally try to evolve it into like the final form of the Shanahan offense where the QB is a weapon as well instead of a uh, distributor
1: yeah i mean we we saw Kyle Shanahan do that with Robert Griffin III in Washington mm-hmm. that was part of what put him on the map is he was able to implement play action and bootlegs. He had learned with Gary Kubiak in Houston, and he was able to apply that with a mobile quarterback and it just blew open the game. So to be able to kind of unlock that aspect of the offense would be huge. And it would add another layer on top of all those weapons we've been discussing. It's, it just comes down to what happens after this year, because they do have a good group on the offensive side. They have playmakers all over the field, but you already have Trent Williams, Christian McCaffrey, and Fred Warner making uh, top-of-the-line money, like they're top three uh, paid at their position. And then you have Javon Hargrave, who's top 10 at his position. Nick Bosa is probably going to be the highest paid at his position. And so at that point, you don't have anything left to give to Ayuk. And so when it comes down to seeing who's more valuable – Debo's resume isn't that impressive he's averaged about 50 receiving yards a game throughout his career and if I takes a step this year I think the 49ers would benefit from actually trading Debo and signing Iuk and trying to manage it
0: that way moving forward yeah I definitely think Ayuk is better as a receiver like in the receiving aspect of the game he's definitely like a, a saucy route runner he, he's a good cutter he's he's kind of like uh and it's kind of uh Kind of weird to say this because he hasn't played that often, but Ayuk kind of reminds me of Kadarius Tony with the shiftiness. not to that same degree because yeah. Tony's one of the craziest uh, cutters I've ever seen. But Ayuk is up there definitely. So I think I do think he's definitely the better receiver. I just think Debo is more versatile overall, and I think Shanahan likes to use him in that backfield with Juszczyk and now McCaffrey and the the stable of running backs that he always gets. Uh, he always gets him to produce. He always gives his running backs like 200-yard games per season. Absolutely. uh, Yeah, I think that – oh, go ahead.
1: I I was just going to hop on that with Debo. Like You're on point with that. Like What he offers that offense is so huge. The biggest thing is he's always dealt with health concerns his Mm -hmm. entire career. So it's like, do you actually get that? It's like that Christian McCaffrey kind of thing. He was healthy all last year. Does that that hold for this year kind of thing?
0: Yeah, that's absolutely fair. I think the big question is – like, like I talked about earlier, can Shanahan do more with the offense or can have we kind of seen the ceiling? And I think we kind of have an answer to that in one of their recent losses this year. They did lose uh, Mike McGlinchey, their right tackle. And that kind of made me think about their O-line as a whole. Outside of Trent Williams, who is the best left tackle in the game? I'm not going to yep. take that away from him. He's uh, probably in my lifetime, maybe only Joe Thomas has been better. Uh, but he's definitely up there. He's one of the best left tackles ever. But outside of that, their offensive line is not the greatest. And we no. saw that uh on full display versus the Eagles in the NFC championship. Now, granted, the Eagles D line was disgusting last year. But that the Niners O line just couldn't hold up. I mean, uh, it was Purdy getting destroyed. They had didn't they have Josh Johnson come in, the guy who's yeah, been he, everywhere. He came, he out. came in and, and didn't he? Yeah, he got hurt, I think, a few snaps into him playing there. Yep. I think this O line is going to sneakily be the thing that holds this offense back this year. And now, throughout Shanahan's tenure, he's always had an efficient offense, always a a pretty good offense. They they score a lot. They move the ball down the field. But if that O-line can't hold up, like as a unit, I know Trent Williams can, and I know they can use Kittle as a blocker. He's an excellent blocker. But as a whole, if it can't hold up throughout the duration of a game, I do think we're going to be seeing stuff where – the quarterbacks are going to be forced to improvise and Shanahan QBs haven't really been improvisational. And I, I don't think Purdy is very improvisational. We didn't see much last year. I We Purdy, know Purdy Darnold. Purdy would roll out and he he'd would roll. occasionally
1: find some things. Darnold, I don't want to see him I, improvising. Yeah. That's, that's not a situation you I, ever want to see.
0: You're right there. You don't want to see it. I will say Darnold is athletic enough, but. He's, he's just going to make a mistake. It's knuckleheaded decisions, man.
1: It's just throwing where like he, he locks in on a guy where it's like, Oh, this is my hot receiver. I just got to stick with him, And then he forces it in the double triple coverage. And you're going, you had two other guys wide open. Like you you gotta not tunnel vision so much.
0: Yeah. He, man, he has so much talent. If he, if he just got the, uh, the mental aspect down, he would, he would have lived up to that third overall pick. And then we haven't seen what Lance can do since the, what was it, North Dakota State years, and yeah. that was, uh, or I believe, South Dakota State. Or no, that, it, it, it is pre- North COVID? Dakota State. I was, was pre-COVID, thinking. right? Pre-COVID, so 2019. <laughs> Granted, he he was really good that year, uh, and he also had Christian Watson that year to throw to, but we haven't seen it since then, since 2019, 2020 COVID, 2021 uh, redshirt last year injured, so.
1: The biggest thing I've seen with film analysts breaking down Trey Lance, especially the recent preseason performance is you're seeing a guy who has had very limited snaps over the past Mm -hmm. several years, which is exactly your point, Jacob. He hasn't been developed and he's just, it's more like freezing. He's locking in on guys. He doesn't know exactly what he's seeing because he hasn't played long enough. It's not that this guy isn't talented enough. He just doesn't have enough rhythm and time in the system to actually like see what he's actually worth. But again, do the 49ers have time to develop him? I think that's the big question I've Mm -hmm. seen with a lot of media people.
0: And you want to think yes, right? Because they invested so much into him. They trade for that. I believe they were the 12th pick that year. They trade up to the third pick. They trade two future uh, first-round picks to Miami just for him. And it's really unfortunate because he was supposed to develop during that redshirt year behind Jimmy G. But then last year just unfortunate injury and he's out again. And so we really haven't gotten to see if that development has paid off or he hasn't gotten the meaningful reps on the field and I don't know that he's going to be able to get them because the expectation with the Niners and it has been for the past few years is NFC championship or Super Bowl because yep. Shanahan has carried that offense. That defense has been egregiously good the past few years because they spent so much uh, draft capital on that defensive line and defense as a whole. And so the expectation is always so high. So they haven't really been afforded the opportunity to let a guy, let a rookie come in and get the growing pains of the NFL. And it's just really unfortunate that that's where we're at now because Purdy's a guy that can be kind of like a game manager. They throw him in there and it's like, "All right, do this, this, this and the Shanahan system and it'll work."
1: And Point it did. That's, ex-
0: yeah. that's exactly what happened last year. And it's just it's it's just a shame with Trey Lance.
1: Now, we've we've gone on a long tangent about the offense. I think what hasn't been discussed, at least not enough, is that Kyle Shanahan has lost three solid coaches of the past two seasons. He lost Mike McDaniel last year to Miami and then lost to Miko Ryans and Bobby Slowick to Houston this year. And Mike McDaniel and Slowick, their last year's with Kyle Shanahan, they were the passing game coordinator. So I don't have an issue with the run game, the outside zone, but Kyle Shanahan is now in charge of the passing game. And it is fully on his shoulders. And he definitely picked up right where he left off last year when Mike McDaniel left. But you wonder when you keep losing these many people, if you're going to be able to skip a beat like you did the year before. And that's going to rest a lot on Steve Wilkes, who's now the defensive play caller. And we have a lot of love for Steve Wilkes. I just think he is a downgrade ultimately to D'Amico Ryan's.
0: I think losing all these coaches as a whole is a huge loss to Shanahan. Now, I, I'm not sure. I could be wrong here, but I believe Slowick was the last guy, kind of in the Shanahan tree that came from the Washington Atlanta days. And yes. So. The, yeah, the cupboards. Well, he
1: he wasn't he wasn't in Atlanta. He was a defensive the, play call. A defensive assistant in Washington. In Washington. Them, right? Yes, he was. Yeah.
0: Where, where we see that whole tree kind of come from that whole like modern Shanahan tree kind of. And now none of those guys are there with him. Uh, to your point, I think losing D'Amico Ryans was huge. Uh, I think it would have been a lot worse had they not gotten Steve Wilkes to replace him. Yes. Wilkes was an excellent play caller for us in was it twenty seventeen when we made the yeah, he was he was twenty seventeen, right?
1: Twenty seventeen and he brought a lot of heavier like blitz concepts Mm -hmm. with Carolina, but the reason why he's going to San Francisco is because he's had other stops since that time. And he's shown to do what he has from his Ron Rivera background. I think he's even worked with Lovie Smith. Is He does understand the Tampa two shells, the cover two shells, and he will just play back and let the defensive line get after the quarterback because their starting four will do exactly that. He doesn't need to send extra pressure to really get after the quarterback.
0: Oh, yeah. If he sends a pressure, it's an automatic sack. Or if he sends a blitz, it's an automatic sack with this D-line. Uh, Yeah, he's an excellent defensive coordinator. I do wish he got a a fair shot. I got to say fair shot because what happened in Arizona, that just wasn't fair uh, when he was the head coach there. Uh, But at the very least, he should have this defense playing well again. I think what's uh, kind of sneakier and what's more important about this defense is that they lost a good amount of starters or kind of depth rotation guys this offseason. They lose Emmanuel Mosley, uh, they lose Aziz Al Shayer. they lose Charles Amenahu, and Jimmy Ward followed D'Amico Ryan's to Houston. All of those guys are gone. All of them played significant snaps for them last season mm-hmm. and the past few seasons. And they the only uh, guy they really brought in to start was Javon Hargrave. They're just filling in from their depth now. So I think that's gonna be kind of the the sneaky loss of the offseason as in the NFL. Is not just D'Amico Ryan's, but losing a lot of the the pieces that he moved around. It's going to be interesting to see how the depth kind of, uh, and the young guys, I know they drafted a young safety, how they kind of fill the void of these veterans that have been so so integral and stout in that 49ers defense we've seen just dominate teams over the past few years.
1: And what's crazy is they paid Javon Hargrave top 10 money at his position. Now, granted, some of it is backloaded, so it is – a little misguided looking at the numbers but when you show up that much money you could have kept two uh, two three of those starters that you talked about that they lost retain kind of that defensive core because charles amenehu jimmy ward mosley those aren't bad players they're still young uh, you, you can work with and so now it gets to the point that you have to extend another star on that defensive line and nick boza and how much is he worth Inflation value, if you were to kind of look at what Joey Boza and TJ Watt have signed, especially TJ Watt's deal, he could be worth almost 35 mil a year. I don't think that's the case, but inflation-wise, that seems to be, I think, what he's pushing for.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's just uh, an ex- an exorbitant amount, I think. Um, I know the salary cap's are rising and everything, but I believe the highest AAV, uh, next, like next in line, because he'll be the next highest. I believe is at twenty eight million a year, so like such a not inflation adjusted, obviously, but such a huge jump from twenty eight to thirty five. I just really don't see that happening.
1: I, yeah, I don't think Nick Bose is that much better above TJ Watt. I think he is better than TJ Watt, but at that point, that's where you start going okay you're probably going to break the 30 million threshold then and at that rate. It's probably like a $155 million deal over five years with about 120 million in fully guaranteed money. Uh, He is represented by CAA sports who represents not only his brother, but TJ Watt, both of which kind of hold those two highest spots at the edge roster position.
0: I think he's going to be the first defender or yeah. First defender as a whole to catch up to Aaron Donald's deal. I know Aaron Donald got that big extension after the Super Bowl win. And I know, like, for the longest time, he has been the best defensive player, maybe even the best player in the NFL. But he's getting up there in age, and people are catching up. And I think Bosa is going to be the first one to catch him contractually uh, with something like 30 31 maybe $32 million a year. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I think uh, I think he's going to be worth it. I mean, he's coming off Defensive Player of the Year. He's really good. But the holdout is a, a bit concerning, I would think, for the 49ers defense. And it's a defense which is still really good, but uh, they aren't getting much younger, especially with these losses that they have, which is you kind of want to fill them with like younger draft picks. And the only one that I can think of is that they drafted Jair Brown at safety to kind of fill in the back end with uh, Hufanga, uh, who was really good last year as a rookie.
1: Yeah, no, and they do have some pieces. It's just a matter of you have to keep that defense healthy now at this point. If you mm-hmm. lose some of these guys, you don't have the depth that you had, the ability to throw in a Menahou and, and get a Nick Boza off the field for a few plays kind of situation. Absolutely. And I think ultimately what we've, we've seen is like this exodus of players and coaches are there any other future head coaches that are going to come out of San Francisco? You mentioned Steve Wilkes, and I think what he's doing is similar to what we see Eric Bieniemy doing in Washington. He's He's sought greener pastures. He's trying to put himself in a position where he might be able to get another head coaching job and a fair shot at that. And the other guys on this team that might see potential in the future – You have Daryl Tapp, who's their assistant defensive line coach. Maybe he becomes the play caller if Wilkes leaves. And then on offense, and this is like a cool little history tidbit, Kyle Shanahan worked with Gary Kubiak in the late 2000s. Currently, Gary Kubiak's sons, Clinton Clay, work for Shanahan right now. And so those guys could potentially be future stars in the NFL. We'll see if they develop as play callers and as the coaches they are. But... I think at the interim that we're talking about in the near future, this coaching staff that we see is going to stay intact, which should help Kyle Shanahan moving forward.
0: I think so too, but uh, you never know. Shanahan always seems to pump out coaches from his coordinator and assistant positions. So one of those guys is probably going to be a head coach in three or four years. And despite all the negatives that we brought up, you know, the team losing players, the team losing coaches. Uh, the quarterback situation, the O-line, all of that, even the contractual stuff. I think this or this team has been very good the past few seasons. And I think they should be good again next year. I don't know if they're going to get over the hump. You know, they've been stuck at that NFC championship. They made it to the Super Bowl one year and ended up losing to the greatest quarterback of our time in Mahomes. Uh but I just, yeah, I they had think a 10-point gonna... lead. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You,
1: can't, you can't do much else other than that. I mean, Mahomes is Mahomes.
0: That, hey, that's what inspired the Trey Lance pick. Jimmy G missing that uh, deep shot to, oh, I can't recall the receiver.
1: Emmanuel Sanders. It, it was Emmanuel
0: Sanders. Wow. But uh, what a blast from the past. But uh, him missing that deep shot inspired him to take Lance and. It's been, uh, we've seen what's happened since. And I, I just don't know if they're going to get over the hump again this year. I think they've lost too much. But in a weak NFC, I do think they will be a playoff team.
1: I agree. And as much as I love Kyle Shanahan and what he brings to the game, this team has gotten remarkably thin over the past couple of years from a coaching staff and roster perspective. We've beaten that horse probably a thousand times at this point. This is a team that, has had lost seasons due to injuries during the Shanahan era. And so the question is, can they keep together in 2023 or will they kind of unravel? I don't think they're the same team that went storming into the playoffs last year, but I do still think this is one of the better teams in the NFC and that they will make a bid for pushing for a division title and the conference as a whole. So they're, they're definitely a good team and should be a good team down the stretch.
0: Absolutely fair. Um, they, they've been the class of the division the past couple years, but that might be something we see changing soon. The last team in this division that we need to talk about is the Seattle Seahawks. This is the only team that the Panthers are going to play in the regular season this year. We play them at Seattle week three. So, uh, whew, another Panthers at Seattle game. Those usually go great for us, but, uh, yeah.
1: last year it, it went well. It, Darnold, it, Darnold it, it did go.
0: Yeah, and the run game did its thing. That was the Arby's package game, I think. Yep. The, uh, the 7-0 linemen. But uh, yeah, this, this might be one of the best teams we play this year in general, I think. Maybe maybe up there with the Jags and the Cowboys. Uh, the big question is going to be how Geno plays. Can he replicate what he did last season, especially with the additions they have on offense and the growth of the young players? I don't see why he can't replicate or even improve on what he did last year.
1: With the offseason additions, 100% agree. The Seahawks offense last year started really, really hot, but it faded down the stretch. And what John Snyder, I think, did this offseason was he found the areas that he needed to improve, and he did that. They, they went out and drafted interior offensive linemen in the fourth and fifth rounds, so the pocket wouldn't kind of push back in the Geno, and they could get more push in the run game. Um, they added Zach Charbonnet, who I think is a perfect complement to Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker is kind of like your boomer bust guy. Like, if you need that big run, he's going to give it to you. But if you're going to have somebody who's going to hit the line and pretty much go nowhere, he's going to do that for you as well. Where Zach Charbonnet, he's good at getting those, those yards, moving the chains. And that, that could be really critical when you're trying to sustain drives throughout the year. Speaking of which, their first-round pick, Jackson Smith and Jigba, will do just that. He is a very viable third option behind Metcalf and Lockett. I think he'll put on a show this year from the slot and display why he was the first wide receiver taken in the draft.
0: I fell in love with watching Zach Charbonnet's tape two years ago when I was watching Greg Dulcich for like the UCLA tape. He's just He was my third running back this year, and if like guys named Bijan and Jamar Gibbs didn't exist. He easily would have been the first. Uh, He's a really good pass catcher, good cutter, really smart. I I agree with what you said. I think he's going to compliment Kenneth Walker really well as a guy who uh, can kind of be a pace running back who should always get good yards as opposed to Walker's real boom or bust. And I think he was an excellent addition. Don't, don't believe what the people say that the, oh, he was a second round running back that was drafted too high. Uh Uh-uh. He was absolutely worth it, especially with the Seahawks, uh, I guess, curse on running backs getting injured. They definitely needed uh, the depth there. He was the perfect complement to Walker. And then, like you said, Smith and Jigba, perfect complement to uh, Metcalf and Lockett. Those two guys are really good outside guys. And what did Smith and Jigba do at the college level? He played in the slot. He was a slot only guy, except for one game versus Utah, where he played like 10 snaps outside. He's going to start inside. And then uh, once Lockett might lose a step because he's getting older, if DK misses time for whatever reason, he's going to easily be able to slide outside and fill in that role there. He's it's it kind of reminds me of uh back when Jefferson was coming out, Justin Jefferson. Everybody was saying, Oh, he's only a slot guy. He only played slot in college. Yep,
1: I remember and, that. Yeah.
0: And and what happened? Oh, he's just uh the best receiver ever through three years and the best receiver in the league right now. I mean, so, you've
1: heard you've heard some of the takes that his like contemporary. We we aren't talking about like previous coaches or whatnot. We're talking about contemporary Ohio State. University wide receivers that played with him. I think it was Garrett Wilson. And I'm wrong. Yeah. So both of them came out and said it. They said oh, yeah. Jackson Smith was the best wide receiver. And oh, so yeah. if you're taking it from that and you saw what they did last year in their rookie seasons and you know he's healthy this year in Seattle, it's like he seems like a perfect rookie of the year candidate.
0: Absolutely. I mean, I don't think he's like as good a route runner as Olave was, but I think he's the perfect mixture of both Olave and Garrett Wilson, two guys who well, one of them did win rookie of the year, and Olave probably should have won rookie of the year. If you combine those guys and get JSN, and he's your third option currently, I think that's pretty. That's a pretty good draft pick. He was the and he was the first receiver taken at the twentieth pick. I yep. mean, some now, there was were there he was a was run that there was there a run was on a run. wide receivers it was like four right after him so uh, but there are some people saying like the bears at pick nine should take him or the titans at pick 11 should take him some people think he was a steal falling to 20. so i think he's really going to show off uh, what he's capable of this year and a really good foundational offense which also starts with the o-line and wow the weather's back the weather must be liking what i'm saying this time but uh, I think the O-line should improve as well. We had rookie a rookie tackle tandem last year with Charles Cross and Abe Lucas. And Cross had a really good year. Lucas had a pretty good year for considering he was a fifth-round draft pick. They did kind of fade down the stretch with the offense as a whole. But I think the additions to the interior as well as just being in the league another year should help both of those guys improve. So we have a young, stout offensive line good weapons in the receiver room, a good running back room. And then Noah Fant and Will Disley isn't the worst tight end room. I think this offense as a whole has a chance to be really dangerous.
1: I I think they can be a top 10 offense throughout the entire year. I think Charles Cross, and it disheartens me to say this, but like when we played them, he shut down Brian Burns. Like Mm -hmm. this is a guy that in pass pass protection is phenomenal. And if you can shore up the interior O-line, Abe Lucas, like you said, these guys take a step in year two. Like sky's the limit, honestly. This is a team that I think is a sneaky dark horse to come out of the NFC, depending on how things unfold in the season.
0: Absolutely. Uh, You like what I did there? The offense might be dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. After after, let Russ cook. Oh, wait, he's not there. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's cooking up something in Denver. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll see what happens there, but we're talking we're praising really the offense for all these additions and the improvements. The defense had just as many good additions. I mean, look in the draft, the fifth overall pick, they added a corner. This was the highest uh, DB, I believe in the Pete Carroll, John Schneider era that they've drafted. I believe, yeah. I I believe so. And he's just the guy to draft that high. I mean, I had Witherspoon, or yeah, Witherspoon is my number one corner this year. He's excellent. He can press. He can cover uh, man zone. And he's going to fit in really well with how they're kind of rebuilding that Legion of Boom with Tariq Woolen and all the other uh, stout secondary pieces that they have there. I will say I thought the defensive line was an area of concern last year, but they made a point to address that. I guess they agreed. They uh, signed Draymond Jones from the Broncos, who's a really good interior pass rusher, something you don't really see these days outside of Aaron Donald. They added Der- uh, Jaron Reed, who's had a stint there before, so he knows the system. And then they draft Derek Hall early in the draft as well, a guy who I thought could have gone a lot earlier. I know the Panthers were considering him. I picked thirty nine. We ultimately went with uh, Jonathan Mingo. But he's the guy with from Auburn. Good outside backer, really violent hands. He's going to be a good addition to that uh, edge rusher room with Uchenna Nwosu, who just got extended. He had a really good year last year, and uh, second year player Boye Mafe.
1: Boye Mafe, he has some work to do. He was one mm-hmm. of the worst in terms of getting after the quarterback last year. Which again, like they got gashed in the run. No, no. And exactly. He, he is a rookie, but it's, they invested a second round pick in him second round pick in Derek Hall. So now that you have some of these younger edge guys, you're hoping Draymond Jones and Jaron Reed shores up the middle of the defense, because if you can stop the run and you can get after the quarterback with those guys, like you said, they have Tyreek woolen and Devin Witherspoon. Now those guys could be locked down on the perimeter.
0: Absolutely. And then they also have really good safeties with, I know Jamal Adams is kind of a meme because of the what they traded to get him and his contract. But he's a really good safety. And then they also have Quandre Diggs, who I think is one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Those two, then you add in Tariq Woolen, who had an excellent rookie year last year, and can only like we're assuming he takes a step. Then you add Witherspoon to that, the number one oh, no, Will Anderson was the number one defensive player, but he was the first defensive back drafted. Yep. And the thing is, he doesn't even have to start immediately. They had Kobe no. Bryant last year, who was a really, like, he played good for where he was drafted as a rookie. I believe he was fourth round. They had, uh, they added Michael Jackson, uh, the DB, last year. They have Kobe Bryant and Michael Jackson back there uh, making plays.
1: And, and, and when you have like various nickel packages, there's no reason why a guy like Devin Witherspoon can't be on the inside. You have Kobe Bryant on the outside, Tariq Woolen on the outside. And like you said, these two safeties ranging all around and all of a sudden it's scary hours.
0: Absolutely. Those two safeties, Tariq Woolen, and then the best singer ever and one of the best basketball players ever. And then you add a a top five pick. Yeah, absolutely. That secondary should be uh, should be excellent this year. I think I think we're getting as close to the Legion of Boom as we've been in terms of talent in a secondary since that group uh, won the Super Bowl. Yeah. and uh yeah i mean a decade kind of, ago like that's the, that's the crazy it's yeah, wow, like, like 2013 was 10 years ago ladies and gentlemen absolutely and i i do think they might have more talent as a whole on offense that might I be think a on stretch. offense
1: they do i think on offense yeah. this is probably the most talented we've seen a seattle team since,
0: since that 2013 year at the at the very least that I mean <sighs> that team was sneaky good with uh Doug Baldwin and just, Curse and Marshawn Lynch.
1: I, I wouldn't put the wide receiver room above what they have now, but yes, oh, no. I mean, Marshawn Lynch it was a huge needle mover. Yeah. I mean, that that guy could
0: just churn it out. Absolutely. Uh, I think as a whole, this team has had the best offseason of all four teams in the division. Uh, they, they added areas where they needed to. They added areas where they didn't need to. And I think they're going to get really good uh, improvements from guys who were automatic like already outstanding rookies last year. I I don't know if uh, there's a way to quantify this or anything My, maybe by snaps played or something. But this last year's Seattle Seahawks draft has got to be the best rookie class since the 2017 Saints class. Yeah. And I think I that. think I think this class that Seattle drafted this year has a chance to be just as good. I wouldn't this be shocked to see that the division. Yeah. The, the, this team this team should be outstanding this year. I think they fixed a lot of holes
1: this offseason on both sides. They'll be vying for the division, which is crazy considering, and and Jacob here can attest. Uh he thought they were a bottom three roster last year, and rightfully so. They 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 ship Listen. out Russ. They have a lot of holes. <laughs> and, and and stuff happens. That's fine. But stuff th- happens. nobody nobody expected Gino to, to take the step that he did. And the way they they publicly viewed the Seahawks, just the general public, is completely different. 365 days later, and it ultimately comes down to, I think, if they're going to make a Super Bowl push, how good the pass rush is. We talked about a few weeks ago, but if you're going to make a run at the Super Bowl, you really need three guys who can get after the quarterback. I like Nwosa. I like Draymond Jones. But you need a guy like Derek Hall or Boyfe Mafe to step up this year. And if one of them does, if Derek Hall like really just catches fire his rookie year, it could be game over for the NFC.
0: I think this is a team that we might see kind of like the eagles last year that kind of trades for or signs a couple of d-line mercenaries towards the Mm -hmm. trade deadline kind of the eagles added quinn they added uh linval joseph they added Uh, they uh, added sue indomitian sue yeah i knew i was missing one i think this is a team we could see that adds guys like that towards the trade deadline towards week 10 or 11 when they're making that deep push uh going for the playoffs but yeah absolutely uh they proved me wrong last year and i hope they continue to ride the wave and really push to go to go on a deep playoff run i think they're a team that's able to do it in this weaker nfc and we've we've wrapped up our four teams kind of our breakdown so we got to get into our additions to the division and starting with our top 10 starting with a head coach jonathan gannon he's coming to an arizona cardinals team that's uh it's just kind of bad overall um he, he's uh, coached one of the better defenses the past couple years with the eagles and we're hoping he kind of really brings a defensive pedigree and stamp to that cardinals defense that allows them to be kind of play free kind of put the guys in the right positions like we were talking about with some of their former first round draft picks and really has them playing at a high higher level than we expect i know that the cardinals are probably expected to be one of the worst teams in the league he's going to be the difference to whether they're the worst or they're like the sixth or seventh worst. And then number two, another coach that's coming to the division, Steve Wilkes. I know all Panthers fans, myself included, have a ton of love for Steve Wilkes. He's an excellent defensive coordinator. He brought us out of a really dark place last year when he was the interim head coach. And he, I believe his record when he was interim head coach was six and six. Just yep. an excellent leader. He knows how to get the most out of his guys. And he's going to be – He I don't know if he's as good a play caller as D'Amico Ryans, but he's definitely as good a defensive coordinator and leader, and he's going to be a huge presence for that Niners defense, which has lost a few pieces uh, this offseason.
1: If if the defense is not – is going to be able to continue where it has been, Steve Wilkes is going to be the main reason why. And I love the addition. I think he's going to be huge there in San Francisco. Another guy that we have, we're we're saying on the defensive track at number three, we have Draymond Jones. I think this was an excellent signing by Seattle. They understood that they have a window now, and they're trying to make the most of it. So they shore up holes, and that was one of them. At number four, we have another interior defensive lineman. As much as Javon Hargrave is an older defensive player, he is still really, really good and was a huge part of what the Eagles did last year. I think he's going to be huge next to guys like Nick Boza and Fred Warner and that front 7 is going to be absolutely amazing like it has been. So, uh, at number 5, we're changing it up.
0: Yeah, we got to throw a got to throw a curveball in there. We've been talking about defensive uh coaches and personnel. So it's time to talk about offense. At number 5, we have Mike LaFleur. He was kind of uh, he's kind of scapegoated with the Jets and now he's a uh, going to the Rams. He's with Sean McVay, and we know McVay likes to uh, churn out offensive coordinators. That they don't call
1: players, plays, which that is wild. They don't
0: call plays, right. But as long as they know his system and can operate it at the next level when they're the ones calling plays, they usually have a good a- amount of success looking at Kevin O'Connell or Zach Taylor. So uh, I think he's going to be a good addition to the Rams he he can bring a few wrinkles that uh he saw with the Jets last year I think he's going to make that offense better as a whole just in terms of having a uh, a different mindset overall and then sticking on the offensive end number six we have Paris Johnson Jr he was the sixth overall pick going to the Cardinals he's going to play right tackle there but uh if anyone's going to hold down that right side of the line it's going to be him he was my favorite offensive lineman in the draft. I know Kyler Murray loves him. I think during the the top 30 inter- or meetings or interviews, Murray vouched for him. And that's a big reason why the Cardinals traded back up to get him. He's going to be a staple on that offensive line for a long time.
1: Yeah. I The one preseason snap I saw against Randy Gregory, and again, it's one snap. He did really good. Kicked out very quickly, was able to keep him contained. And Randy Gregory when he's healthy is one of the better pass rushers in the league. So that was very Absolutely. promising to see that he held his own as a rookie. Now granted he is a top ten pick, so the expectation is already pretty high. Now at number seven, we have another Ohio State player in Jackson Smith and Jigba. And what he'll bring to Seattle, we've already discussed at length, but he's one of those guys that is just going to open up the field, especially with operating out of the slot. And it'll be interesting to see if defenses are really able to effectively cover him or if he's just going to run wild this year. And at number eight, it's not a sexy player by any means, but Steve Avila out of TCU is probably one of the more uh, unsung heroes from the – what is – Horned dogs? No, not horned, horned dogs. frogs, horned frogs. There we go. Yeah. I'm thinking corn dogs and I'm, I'm <laughs> mixing the two. Any, any TCU fans listening? I'm sorry. Uh, he Andy is a Dalton. great guard. Oh, that is right. Um, also came out of TCU. So uh, they've definitely turned out guys. I was watching some um, Darren Sproul's highlights. No, Kansas state. I, I need to yeah. stop talking college before I get myself in trouble. Uh, regardless, this is a guy that is going to help the Rams offensive line. Uh, they need some help there. We were talking about that. That was already kind of a porous unit, and you need to protect Matthew Stafford. This is a guy that's going to affect the run game, the pass game. He's a big body, and I think he'll be a plug-in day one starter. So I think that was a great addition by the Rams.
0: Absolutely. He kind of, uh, Avila kind of gets, he, he is the unsung hero of the Horn Frog season last year. We talk about, talk about Quentin Johnston, talk about everyone else on that offense, Kendry Miller. But he was the one setting the tone up front. And then on the other side of the line, at number nine, another Cardinals player, I, I have all the Cardinals players, It's B.J. O'Gillari. He was one of my favorite players in the draft, probably my favorite defender. I was begging for the Panthers to draft him. He's just an excellent outside linebacker, pass rusher, super explosive, super athletic. He used to work on his motor a little bit, but he's also super young. And I think he's going to be a perfect fit on a D-line. That's been coached by a guy like Jonathan Gannon, who he's seen guys like uh, like Josh Schwett, like Brandon Graham, like Hassan Reddick. Now, if anyone can coach him up to be his best, I think Jonathan Gannon is the guy to do it. And then rounding out our top 10 is another D lineman. It's Jaron Reed. He's coming back to Seattle. He's already had a stint there. He went to the Packers for a while, coming back. I think he's super important because Seattle lost both of their interior starters from last year in Puna Ford and Shelby Harris. And so alongside Draymond Jones, they need a guy to come in, help stop the run, just be productive. And a guy like Reed, who is familiar with Seattle as a whole, is going to be productive there and should help shore up that D-line, which was, I believe, both of our concerns for the Seahawks this year
1: yeah that was definitely I think problem one when you look at it from a defensive standpoint and they they signed two guys hopefully some of the other I think they have a fourth and fifth rounder that's also into your defensive lineman they drafted this year so they've definitely tried to throw bodies at that issue and we'll see if it pans out now we wrapped up the top 10 additions we have our top 10 subtractions and the first guy there is D'Amico Ryans there's Without a shadow of a doubt, he is probably the most important piece missing from the NFC West this year. He called a phenomenal defense the past couple of years, and I think he's going to be sorely missed, even with Wilkes kind of stepping in. Which then leads me to another guy that he brought with him to Houston to be his offensive coordinator, and that's Bobby Slowick. So Mike McDaniel, he steps in as the passing game coordinator in San Francisco. He leaves the Miami, who takes his position, Bobby Slowick. So now you see him go, and we saw how good that pa- passing offense was last year. So hopefully he can get C.J. Stroud to be more point-and-shoot. Uh, we don't see some of those reads that we saw against like the Patriots. Now granted, the Patriots run some exotic looks, so hopefully what we see from Stroud this year will be really, really good. And that'll be in part because Bobby Sloat calls a really good offense.
0: Absolutely. I think Stroud is a perfect QB to play in a Shanahan-esque system. And another offensive coach that left that division is Thomas Brown. He was the assistant head coach for the Rams. He he was a tight ends coach, running back coach, running game coordinator. And now he's the Panthers offensive coordinator i think any guy who's a uh, coach on the offensive side with mcveigh knows his stuff we've seen that and him coming to the panthers is going to bring a bevy of uh knowledge and information that's going to gel well with the rest of the coaching staff we brought here and with frank reich especially and then number four we have byron murphy he was one of the the consummate starters for that cardinals defense last year he was really good nickel for them he bounced outside played outside and we were kind of talking about how that secondary is kind of porous outside of Buda Baker. His loss is a big reason for that. I think he's going to have a good year in uh, it's Minnesota, right, where he went. And yeah. uh, the Cardinals are definitely going to miss him.
1: Without a doubt. I think that was a huge addition for Minnesota, and we talked about that on that episode Moving on to number five, we have Zach Allen. He leaves the Cardinals, great interior defensive line defender. He was kind of starting to come into his own. He's brought in the Denver to kind of be the Draymond Jones replacement. So we see Draymond Jones enter the NFC West, and we see Zach Allen leave for the AFC West. And at number six, same thing, Mike McGlinchey gets a top-10 right tackle contract from the Denver Broncos. He'll be their starting right tackle. Uh, It seems like the – Sean Payton is really liking some of the players from the <laughs> NFC West and kind of kind of building his offense around and, and team around some of those guys. So a number six, like I said, Mike McGlinchey. Um, he wasn't, he wasn't a fan favorite from the 49ers, but he's a solid right tackle. And I think he'll, he'll be sorely missed, especially considering what the 49ers offensive line looks like right now.
0: Sean Payton's a poacher. He so is. That's all there is to it. Yeah. And another guy that's gotten poached by a, familiar face in terms of the players they've taken leonard floyd goes to the bills i believe this is the fourth member of the rams super bowl that is on the so bills now fun biller leonard floyd and, and then, uh oh uh roger Saffold, right yes on that well, no yeah no maybe maybe he was if, if and, not
1: there was like another guy that they did get but they've had like four they have four members of that super bowl team on the roster right now
0: yeah, at the very least, uh, yeah, four, three or four at least. Uh, Leonard Floyd is a guy that we talked about. The Rams are losing all their vets, and even he may not be the best pass rusher in the game, but he was one of the vets on that team, and he was productive next to AD. So his loss is going to mean one of their 34-ish rookies on their training camp roster. Mm-hmm. is Yeah, something like that, 30, 34, 38. Some Something like ridiculous, I believe. You're going to uh, have
1: 15 like rookies yeah. make the final 53, which is insane. Like most rookie classes are like sub 10 players.
0: Yeah, it's just uh, it's something we haven't seen in a, a long time. Losing Floyd, just, uh, moral of the story, losing Floyd is going to be impactful for a Rams team that is devoid of veterans on the defensive side of the ball. And then number eight, we have another pass rusher, Charles Amenahu. He's heading to the Chiefs. We talked about him last week. Just a guy that uh, we talked about the Niners D-line also getting kind of thin, losing a good – or defense as a whole, losing a good amount of veterans. Guys that can come in and spell Nick Bosa, spell like their three techs that they need. Losing a guy like that is going to pave the way for some younger guys, but guys that are less experienced. And so that was a good piece that uh, Steve Wilkes could have had to work with but is on his way to Kansas City.
1: Yeah, he has a six-game suspension to serve, but he should be lights out there. We talked about him last week and really helping that pass rush, especially with all the question marks around Chris Jones. At number nine, we have Emmanuel Mosley. He goes to Detroit to kind of help rebuild the secondary there. I think he was a solid player for the 49ers, and he'll he'll be missed this year. When, when you lose secondary depth, it definitely plays a role. And at number 10, we have a guy who's getting up there in age, but he was very productive last year with the Rams, and that was Bobby Wagner. So he leaves Seattle, he goes to Super Bowl champions, realize that Seattle has a better team than the Rams, and then goes right back. So um, definitely a great reunion. Players love him. Fans love him. I think this is a huge moral boost uh, and for that that defensive unit that is really trying to take a step and be a formidable group this year.
0: Yeah, he uh, he betrayed the Seattle fans for he was what two years on the Rams? No, for two I think it was years just a year? No, oh, just he one he year. Wasn't well, there. Yeah, he
1: he yeah. left last off when we had all that Russ issue ah, him gotcha, going out. Gotcha.
0: So yeah, for one year he goes to the enemy, but now he's back, so everything's all good. <laughs> and that kind of uh, that wraps up our additions and subtractions. We've talked about the division at length. It's time for our takes. We're perfect takes. It's what we got to do. And so I have a couple. My first one is that all three San Francisco 49ers quarterbacks will see significant playing time this year. I talked about my concern about that offensive line outside of Trent Williams. We've seen all three of these guys have pretty uh, extensive or significant injury concern. Uh, it's just one injury away from Purdy missing time. He could, he's going to start, right? So he's going to play. He could play the first few games. And then that offensive line lets pass rushers through. He gets battered. Then we see Trey Lance come in, a guy that we haven't seen a ton of. He could end up getting benched. He's also dealt with some injury issues behind that offensive line. Then all of a sudden we see Sam Darnold come in. And Darnold by no means is a durable QB, so we can be right back to Purdy. My point is this offensive line is just not ideal for a group of quarterbacks that aren't the – aren't franchise QBs, and all three have significant injury concerns throughout their NFL careers would be my point.
1: Yeah, and- I think that's a the great take to have with the 49ers. I think exactly like you said, the offensive line is a huge concern, and the way that people need to think about the offensive line and secondary is you should always, if you do not have stars all over the in those position groups you need to have solid players and that's Mm -hmm. just they don't have that they have trent williams and that's really about it
0: right solid players and depth if you don't have the stars either and that doesn't look like the deepest of o-line rooms and then my other take uh this is kind of a a tangent take maybe it's about fantasy football and it's that tyler lockett dk metcalf and jackson smith and jigba will be the best fantasy football trio of receivers for any team this year so in totality they're gonna those three receivers are gonna have the most points of any three receivers on any team i know a lot of people like the Bengals because they've been kind of the the class of the nfl of receiver trios the past couple of years but i think each of these receivers complements each other perfectly plus with the additions to or the growth of the o-line I think this is gonna be a really good passing offense this year. And I think all three of these guys are gonna be fantasy viable and super productive in terms of real football as well.
1: And Gino's not afraid to sling it. This isn't like mm-hmm. a Jimmy G at quarterback who's gonna just check it down and take the easy No, he's he's gonna he's gonna launch that thing and he's he's going to hand the ball to these guys. So I think that's a great take.
0: The think, uh the Geno play to the throw to Lockett, I think it was versus the, Saints, the Saints last yep. year. Yeah, bro, that was one of the best throws of the year last year. Gino better, will throw that thing.
1: I like. I I want to say because he threw it in the pocket, it was right down the middle. You had so many defenders there too, from like a visual standpoint when you're looking downfield. Like it, people want to hype up the PJ Walker, DJ Moore touchdown. I felt like that was just as impressive, if not. Oh Moore. yeah
0: that you you could uh like blank out who was throwing the ball behind the line and it would remind me of like a prime russ moon ball kind mm-hmm. of throw
1: oh yeah G- that Gino was is,
0: gino's is that guy
1: and with that being said we're i'm going to talk about a quarterback in one of my takes and i think the rams backup quarterbacks that's in bennett will start at least four games this year i don't I don't think Matthew Stafford is going to stay healthy uh, behind this offensive line with the weapons he is working with. And that'll play out, and we'll see Bennett down the stretch. I think the other take is, and like you were saying, hyping up the Seahawks. We spent probably about 20 minutes hyping them up, which is crazy considering our rivalry in the 2010s with them. Mm -hmm but I think they'll win at least 10 games and route to the division title. I think this is a team that is going to play lights out week in and week out. And it's going to be very hard to stop them or get past them, depending on if you're going against their offense or their defense. And they just have so many players right now. And it's, it's really cool to see, especially considering where this roster was a year ago.
0: Absolutely. I think that's a, a very plausible take that I also agree with that kind of gets into our division standings and the team that I have winning it all is the Seahawks. Uh, it might be kind of a stretch, considering how good the Niners have been over the Shanahan era, but you look at the Seahawks' additions on offense, you look at them on defense, along with the expected growth of some of the the key players at key positions like offensive tackle, uh, defensive back. I think the Seahawks can and will win this division. It also doesn't hurt that they have the best QB in the division at the moment until Kyler gets back to form. Okay. I was was, was curious. Yeah. Yeah. Until then, Gino is much better than whoever the Niners throw out and better than uh, the corpse of Matthew Stafford.
1: I agree. And when you hit on a draft class, you said it earlier, this is probably the best draft class we've seen since the 2017 Saints draft class. That opens up a world of possibilities. Last year, Seattle, they found their tackles of the future, a lockdown corner, and somehow their backup quarterback was a hidden gem. I felt like Schneider addressed concerns on the roster, and they have what it takes to dethrone San Francisco for the division crown, which then gets into the number two team that we have in this division. Both of us agree. What are your thoughts on the 49ers?
0: I think they aren't far behind. They've they've been the class of the division for seems like forever now but it's probably been like five years Uh, they still have a great play caller on both sides of the ball i don't want to diminish steve wilkes uh he's an excellent defensive coordinator still have really good uh stars at good positions like trent williams kittle mccaffrey debo and on the other side of the ball that d-line is loaded and fred warner i will say the qb woes are concerning for me and like we mentioned earlier in regards to Shanahan feels like he's at the end of his rope when it comes to his staff with his connect, his connections, hopefully Wilkes can have the defense staying dominant. But, uh, I think, uh, I think the Niners time is running out.
1: Yeah, I think, Jason Fitzgerald has worded this so beautifully. And it's always why, like, I broke it down. Like, the Rams, they lost 10 out of the 22 of their starters from the Super Bowl team. You can't think of the team that you're looking at as the same team as the year before, or the year prior. And when you have so much roster turnover, you have to take that into account. And it's not that I don't think the 49ers are one of the better teams in the NFC. I think they're going to make the playoffs. I think they're going to make a Super Bowl push. It's just when you have that that many losses on both sides of the ball. It makes it hard even when you have a superstar of a coach in Kyle Shanahan, and there's going to be some regression. So I think they're going to win 10 and 11, 10 to 11 games rather than the 12 they were kind of at last year. I think it was it 12 or 13. It was it, like one of those things where they, they were the second best team in the NFC. And I, I think Seattle is starting to take that in terms of
0: roster talent. That's absolutely fair. I was just looking Five of our ten top ten losses were from the Niners, and there were a couple we didn't even uh, mention there. So they're definitely uh, they're definitely losing important pieces while Seattle is gaining important pieces. And then third and fourth, we actually had mixed up. Mm-hmm. I have the I have the Rams third, and I think they're I I'll, I honestly think it's a toss up between the two. But for me, having McVeigh call the plays is just exponentially better than what the Cardinals have until they prove me wrong. McVay is one of the better play callers that we've seen the past decade or so. Absolutely. Benefit of the doubt is the way to put it for me. And they still have leaders like Aaron Donald and cup. And if Stafford's healthy Stafford, I think that's going to keep them treading water in a lot of games as opposed to getting blown out, which is I I can't say the same for the Cardinals.
1: Yeah, and I'll touch I'll touch on the Rams and then we'll both touch on the Cardinals. I have the Cardinals at three, and for various reasons, I was optimistic about them and the the kind of brief time we spent on them. But with the Rams, for me it's like we we just listed off Stafford Cup and Donald. And that's it. That's that's really it. You have Rob Havenstein as your right tackle, you have Joe Noteboom at your left tackle. I heard there was competition with him, and it was either like a seventh round guy or an undrafted guy for competition at the left tackle position. And that worries me. Like if Joe Noteboom doesn't have that on lock, like I don't think this guy is Jason Peters. So because of that, it's like, it's it's concerned that it's like, how well are you going to be able to protect Stafford? And you don't have weapons that you can get them out to where you can scheme quick passes and quick outlets. So it will be very interesting to see what McVay does. But this, this isn't a roster that should give you any cause for hope. This is this is bare to the bones. They they are going through a hard rebuild.
0: Absolutely, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm just a sucker and believe in McVeigh and AD Steele. Uh, still, excuse me. But then, yeah, like to me, the Cardinals are in last just because they don't have the benefit of doubt. To, benefit of the doubt to me. Uh, Kyler's gonna miss at, at minimum one or two games, maybe more than that. And I'm, I'm just not as confident in Jonathan Gannon's ability to lead a team like I am with Pete Carroll, with Shanahan, and with McVay. All three of these coaches are proven. They've all been to the Super Bowl. Uh, McVay and Carroll have won Super Bowls, obviously. I do think the Cardinals are set up better for the future than the Rams, but as of right now, I just can't have myself put them over the Rams for next season as opposed to the future.
1: Yeah, I think, I think Stafford starting out, he is healthy. He he could play all 17 games, and if he does, this is going to probably be a competitive team week in, week out. The biggest thing is is when you start looking at the rest of the roster, it's the Cardinals actually have some guys that can get after the quarterback if it's scheme right. They have a couple wide receiver options, and they have pieces on the offensive line. That leads me to think that overall the Cardinals have a better roster. I think it does come back to the point that you said is that The other three teams have proven coaches and we don't know exactly what we have with Jonathan Gannon. We think he's the best addition and hopefully he is a needle mover in terms of what they're trying to do in Arizona. I think that if they can keep it together with Colt McCoy over those first few weeks, Kyler comes back, they could take off and surprise a few teams. I don't, I don't think that they're going to make a wild card push. I think that would be crazy to assume about this roster, but this is a team that I think can get, pretty darn close to 500. I think they could be a seven and 10 team and kind of squeak a few out that no one really saw coming.
0: Very fair. And so to kind of consolidate our predictions, both have the Seahawks at one, both have the Niners at two. I have the Rams three and the Cardinals four, and you have the Cardinals three and the Rams at four
1: that is true that is that's how i see stuff shaking out we'll see if that changes we'll do obviously the end of season not the end of season at the end of this series we'll do a projection where we'll do the win totals but that'll definitely come out more to light when we do that
0: absolutely so wrapped up this division we are a panthers podcast so we got to talk about the panthers a little bit uh we had a preseason game over this past weekend uh i, I watched the one yeah, pretty forgettable. I unfortunately watched uh, the whole thing. So <laughs> I'm going to break down some of the, the uh, what's the word, the misfortunes I saw, I guess. Uh, we, we started the game without Burns or Justin Houston. Miles Sanders uh, had that groin injury. We didn't see Chandler Zavala and we didn't see Eddie Pinero. So we had some guys filling in for the ones there. Other than that, I think all the starters played. We had Kobe Jones and Itor Matos uh, starting for the defense. We had Chuba Hubbard start for Sanders. Cade Mays started for Zavala. And uh, the first few series where we had our ones out there, the defense was kind of kind of mid. Zach Wilson was able to drive down the field with their their second teamers and almost get in position for a touchdown, which Dante broke up. And then we get the ball on offense. And, man, our offensive line, horrendous. Was giving up pressures to the Jets backups. Now, (laughs) granted, the Jets were sixth in pressure rate last year, and they did add quite a few guys. They added Solomon Thomas, who was third overall pick uh, a ways back. I think we talked about him when we were talking about the Niners. And then they added Will McDonald, uh, 15th overall this past year. So they had some some good pet- – and Jermaine Johnson, first-rounder from last year. And
1: he and- was he was getting after the quarterback. Uh, he seemed to have an extra year from what yeah. I was seeing, and that's huge. Like he was a first-round pick last year. You need that. When we talked about this team, they need somebody other than Big Q to step up. So if it's one of those guys, that would be fantastic for them.
0: Absolutely. And my point is that their, their D-line is deep. So their second-teamers probably would be first-teamers on a couple teams that doesn't excuse our o-line just looking horrendous. I mean, we get fooled by basic stunts. Uh, Ikia Kwanu gets beaten on a basic stunt which was just
1: <sighs> twice. Not
0: twice. Not great to see um considering he was a top 10 pick and we had he had such a good rookie year. We had high hopes for him improving. Hopefully, he cleans it up a bit before the next game. But uh, yeah, as a whole, the O line just was getting Bryce battered out there. You had the, uh, you had NFL Network and ESPN talking about, oh, Bryce is getting hit a lot. I hope he's okay. Bringing in the size thing, do we really want to hear that his like entire rookie year? No.
1: I mean, James James Campen took these boys to a private meeting after oh, the yeah. game, and you know that was an ass chewing of sorts. Oh, like that was, you
0: know, he was yelling, yeah, <laughs> but uh, much deserved too. But, uh, yeah, it's just the game as a whole was not great. I think the O-line, obviously, right guard, I think, was the biggest problem.
1: We, we we, th- exactly like you said, Zavala's out, and we had Austin out Corbett, and, who might be on the pup list. So it's too, it, we're on our third string right guard at that
0: point. Well, maybe even our fourth string, because Nash Jensen, who is an undrafted uh, O-lineman from North Dakota State, he, uh, he's played the most uh, games for a, an FCS player ever, by the way. But um, he also didn't play, and he's been taking reps at right guard in camp. So we might have been down to our fourth right guard, which obviously isn't ideal. But the three series that we had, the starters out there on offense, we had three different people playing right guard. It was Cade Mays, who we drafted last year. He was a part of the Arby's package that everybody was hyping yep. up. Uh, we had Justin McCrae, He was assigning this offseason uh, for depth. And then we had Michael Jordan, who has somehow oh, snuck no. his way back onto our practice squad or back onto our training camp team. Him and Cam Irving are still here for Michael whatever Jordan's reason. Michael
1: Jordan just love ruining good things in Carolina, in my opinion. Yeah. That's just... Hey,
0: he's six uh He plays in Carolina. Who knows? Who the- knows? This might be a different Michael Jordan disguise, but uh, either way, he was horrendous. Um, the uh, the one move from Jermaine Johnson, the three the spin move bull rush. I didn't think that was possible because when when a D line spins, he shouldn't be able to bull rush the O lineman because he's off his feet. Yep. But he still did it and caused the sack, <laughs> uh, which is just crazy. I think the main takeaway from this game is just the. There was just a lack of effort, especially from the O line. I think it's just rough to watch. Some of the positives I'll say is uh, C.J. Henderson had a strong performance. He had some really good, uh, some cover- really good coverage reps. Amari Barno looked really good. He had a sack and a couple more pressures. I think he was playing very well with the. I think it was with the twos when he did that. And uh, yeah. Oh, and another thing I wanted to note: Lavisca Chenault. On that third down when we were backed up in on our goal, oh
1: line. boy, oh Everybody boy! Everybody
0: knows if you've watched it. It's like it's like a five-yard stick route. JTO Sullivan broke it down perfectly. Yep. Uh, the QB school on YouTube, uh, Twitter X, whatever. Really good resource for QB play. We see at the top of the screen. I believe it was DJ Chark. He ran the stick route perfectly. Five yep. yard. It was third and five. He ran at five it five yards, like, maybe maybe five and a half, six yards.
1: He got to the 14-yard line, and you yeah. see Lavishko Chennault get to the 16-yard line. Like, oh,
0: you, oh, you see him running to, like, the 20. He, just, <laughs> he saw the ball, like, out of his peripherals fly behind him, and then he turned around and noticed that uh, he hadn't run the right route. I think we know by now that he's a gadget player, and uh, hopefully we see him there in the future. But the moral of this game is that it's just toilet tape. You watch it, you flush it, go on to the next game. And the next game is on Friday of this week versus another New York team, the New York Giants.
1: And we actually play up in New York. Now, who will the starting edges be? It could be anybody. I doubt we'll see Burns in Houston. So we'll probably see Kobe Jones some more, YGM. And I think a guy that is starting to show some flash in Barno. I thought he was a Burns light coming out of college. He had kind of that explosive step on the perimeter. And if he can really take that step in year two, that could be a huge plus for our defensive line. Now, we do need to find a solution for our interior offensive line that works in the preseason because the Giants interior defensive line is a lot better than the Jets. In my opinion, you have Dexter Lawrence, you have a Sean Robinson, you have Leonard Williams. Now, how many of those guys will play is yet to be seen, but it's one of those things that their starters are really, really good. Um, I don't. I don't know if I want to see anything exotic. Like we, we we did talk about defense getting drove on the offense really wasn't moving the ball. I want to see a few more things, but if they want to keep the playbook a secret till week one, I'm okay with that. I trust a proven coach with a proven coaching staff to know what he's doing going into week one. And with that being said, I think Jonathan Mingo has a chance to be a starter, especially with Terrace Marshall potentially dealing with some injuries and really taking a leap in that offense and being a guy that can make plays
0: what's uh, ab- what's kind of absolutely. your take oh yeah i, I think uh i think sean jefferson said it best in that uh our our draft uh series was it the blueprint this year? panthers blueprint this yep. year he said he was more of a, a Z receiver, receiver i think it makes sense looking at the the first unofficial depth chart where he's listed as the starter as the Z receiver, Terrace Marshall's more of an X, yep. but DJ Chark is also more of an X. So that's I think that's one of the reasons we why we saw Marshall listed behind him. I think Mingo plays the role of a Z receiver a bit better, playing off the line uh, more over the middle stuff. Similar, I know you uh, said you you can see him playing similarly to Amon Ross, St. Brown, kind of that kind of role as the Z receiver. So I think that makes sense as to why he was listed as the starter there beside uh, Thielen in the slot and Chark at the X.
1: Yeah, no, I think when you can roll out Chark, Thielen, and Mingo, you have a chance that you can actually move the ball consistently. And I think that's what we really want to see, like in another preseason drive or so before week one, is just see him kind of click even with some basic concepts. It would be nice to kind of see some of that I think on the defensive side, we talked about like Barnum taking a step up. Uh, I think we'll see McCall more at nose tackle, especially with probably Brown and shuttle being off the field relatively early into the Giants game. And so really, it's going to come down to who can step up on the offensive line. Can Icky change some things up? Like he said, we he missed two basic stunts. It was first preseason game, but if he cleans that up and that looks a lot better, I think that's a huge step in week two.
0: Yeah, I, I also, you summed it up perfectly, but I also want to see more of Kobe Jones. I, I'm still staying on this train. I really think he's a guy that can make the 53 uh, despite the Justin Houston signing. I think we, we need the depth, at edge rusher, and I think he's a guy that can come in and shine while a guy like Marquise Haynes is out, a guy like uh, YGM is underperforming. Uh, oh, and I did want to shout out DJ Johnson. He had a really good second half as well he did. on that yeah. rusher room
1: no and so the more that you see that you the more promise you see I just like that we have a lot of good young promising talent on the defensive line that's not what I think is the biggest concern walking away from the preseason I think it really is the offensive line and we'll see what James Campen does absolutely so
0: with that we are an hour
1: and a half in even without a guess which is kind of crazy we had a lot of good Uh, fun conversations about the NFC West and kind of broke down the Panthers and what we like and what we don't like. And there's a lot more of the don't likes at the moment, but moving forward, we are going to be talking about the AFC South next week, getting us another week closer to breaking down the NFC South. We'll break that down next week. It'll just be me and Jacob. And if you guys have any questions, please shoot them out on Twitter. We will definitely answer them next week, but for this week, we're all wrapped up. We'll catch you.